Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on the show today is Dorothy Moses Schultz. She's been on the show before. She's an adjunct fellow at the Manhattan Institute, emerita professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, and a retired MTA Metro North Railroad police captain, who was Metro North's and Conrail's first female captain. She's also served as a safety and security consultant to transit agencies across the country. So, Dorothy, thanks very much for coming on the show again. My pleasure. Thank you. So let's talk about uh, public safety in New York before we turn to your most recent article in City Journal. Alvin Bragg, the newly elected DA for Manhattan, recently released his now notorious Day One memo. Uh, In that, he outlined a policy of non-prosecution for a variety of low-level offenses. Uh, He ordered line prosecutors to seek diminished sentences for crimes such as armed robbery, and he vowed that the only people who will see jail time basically will be murderers, shooters who inflict serious harm, uh, sex offenders, and a couple of other pretty limited categories. Now, City Journal has covered this memo extensively through a bunch of pieces on our site. Um, I encourage readers to to check out that uh, material. Uh, but this is, you know, this is, Dorothy, a significant shift from anything New York has seen before, and it's sure to have some significant consequences. So uh, what's your view of that memo, a brag, and what you think some of the consequences might be? The one thing I can say about Bragg is that he said this from day one. He said as a candidate that this is what he was going to do. And what's amazing to me is that he was elected, number one, uh, and that number two, people are acting as if they didn't know that this is what he was going to do. Uh, It's interesting in in doing the piece on the Union Pacific, one of the things that I found is that uh, George Gascon, the DA in Los Angeles, issued an almost identical memo almost a year before on December 2020. And I think we see what the results are in in L.A. and in other parts of California and where there are other uh, so-called progressive prosecutors. Uh, All of those cities have had uh, huge increases in crime. And uh, if you tell people ahead of time that they're not going to be prosecuted, uh, obviously there's going to be more crime, which is not to say that the people doing the crime are uh, reading City Journal or the New York Times or the New York Post, uh, but they have their own uh, information uh, outlets. And uh, as soon as you find out that uh, that basically you have impunity to do what you've been doing, uh, you're going to continue doing it and more people will do it. Um, you know, I, I feel very bad for the mayor, actually, who I think we've said before that I've known uh, for many years. He was a student of mine. Um, he would like to get tough on crime, but you can't be tough on crime if you're not tough on criminals. Uh, so I, I don't see how that's going to work in New York uh, successfully, uh, other than for the criminals. Yeah, I'd like to come back to Adams in a minute, but you know, if if you needed a reminder that crime has an enormous human cost, um, you know, we just need to look at what happened last week when uh, Michelle Goh, 
40-year-old woman was pushed onto the tracks and killed at the Times Square 42nd Street subway stop by a mentally ill homeless uh, man. Now, this happened as subway ridership remains well below its pre-pandemic levels, um, and subway crime is is rising. So you, you worked as a transit officer, police officer, for many years. Uh, yeah. What's, you know, what's happened to the New York transit system since the beginning of the p- pandemic, and why have the subways become such a magnet for uh, disturbed individuals? Um, you know, uh, um, when, what can be done about that? They've transit facilities have always been magnets for for homeless and uh, uh, people with mental problems. As a matter of fact, they're in many states they're categorized as an as an attractive nuisance. Um, and so the homeless issue has always been one. It was one we dealt with at Grand Central, and I'm sure the mayor dealt with when he was a transit cop. Uh, I think that that the issue now is homelessness uh, has increased substantially. And while I have no statistics, it's my feeling that a much larger percentage of the homeless people uh, have mental or drug problems, which you can maybe lump together as one problem because it has the same effect. The other thing is with fewer people in the subway, uh, the people who are using it as a as a residential address are more obvious, um, and they feel a greater sense, I guess, that it's their space, uh, and that's going to continue, because unfortunately, it looks like offices office workers will not be returning, and now people are more and more frightened again of using the subway. And it's unfortunately, it's it's a downward cycle. Um, and I wish I had an answer to it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. Um, I don't think that, that more mental health outreach workers, though, is going to be the answer. There are not enough of them. Uh, they can't handle the prod. They can't handle the problem. As long as it's voluntary uh, for people to comply or leave the subway, um, most of them prefer to stay there because it's safer than the shelters, which is a which is a terrible thing to say. That's been true though for forty years. People told us they stayed in the waiting room in Grand Central. Uh, or even the bus terminal or Penn Station, because it was safer uh, than the facilities that were available. And uh, sadly, I think that's probably still true, and again, probably more true. Now, has uh, has anything similar started to happen on the commuter rail? It, it's never really been the same problem in the commuter rail. Um, I think that's Primarily, first of all, I think Long Island Railroad Police and Metro North Police, now MTA Police, uh, so I don't want to date myself, uh, have more time and the luxury uh, to deal with the problems. I also think that the communities that the trains travel through, uh, the local police are more able to check the stations. The problems, in other words, I guess are not as intense. Uh, the intensity tends to be at the terminals, 
the bus terminal, obviously, also. It's not rail, but it's the same thing. Whereas I think in the subway, uh, you have more of a movable feast, uh, poor choice of words. But the, the homeless people or the unhoused or those with mental problems feel uh, they have much more access to the entire facility, riding from here to there, getting off wherever they choose to, getting back on. It's, a, it's much easier uh, for them and therefore much harder for the police to control. Now, you, um, you mentioned uh, a moment ago our new mayor, Eric Adams. Uh, he took office uh, this month. He ran on the promise to crack down on rising violent crime in the city, and he's made some moves in that direction. So he's ignored uh, the progressive demands not to reinstate solitary confinement in jails, for example, and he's continuing to push for the reinstatement of the NYPD's plainclothes anti-gun unit, which was shut down uh, in, in his predecessor's administration. Uh, but, you know, we've been writing about Eric Adams for many, many years. He's got a long and complicated career. You mentioned he was a student of yours. Um, you know, what's your take on uh, his administration? What do, what do you think the best version of a Mayor Adams would entail? And what are the warning signs? What's, what's, what should we watch out for? I think it's going to be, as I said, very, very difficult for him. Um, I think the fact that he has a police background, obviously, is terrific because he knows where the problems are externally and also within the police department, obviously. But I think that he's going to have a very, very difficult time because uh, the people who did not vote for him are in many cases the opinion makers. Uh, his coalition, to the extent you could call it that, I think was working class uh, people or everyday New Yorkers in the outer boroughs, maybe not the Bronx, but probably Queens and Brooklyn. And I think those are obviously not the people who were supporting Bragg. Uh, now, Brooklyn also has, I guess, Gonzalez, you could call him a progressive DA also, but really not in comparison to Bragg. In comparison to Bragg, he's almost an old line uh, district attorney. So I think the problem in New York that, that the mayor is going to have is he's got five separate DAs, uh, each with his or her own uh, agenda, uh, the focus, though, as always in New York, is on Manhattan, and that's where I think he's going to have the biggest problems. Uh, I, you know, it's going to be very, very hard for him. Uh, Bragg seems to feel that he has his own constituency, and uh, a lot of them are the people who uh, have a lot to say in the media and business people, although I see the business community is a little outraged uh, by some of his statements. But Gascon has not backed down in L.A., and in fact, none of the progressive DAs have backed down, and crime is up in all their cities. And I don't understand what they think their job is. I don't know, you know, I could imagine if some police chief said, 
uh, well, I'm just not going to enforce the law and I'm going to tell my cops not to. I think people would be up in arms. Um, even the people who want to defund the police, quote unquote. But here you have people basically saying, I'm getting elected to not do my job. And nobody seems to care. I find well, it very bizarre. Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, a lot of these uh, DAs do get elected in very low turnout elections, off your election sometimes, uh, that can be dominated by just a, a you know a handful of organized votes. The activists. Um, yeah, so yeah. So it's it is a problem, and and well, we're, we're you know we're just going to have to see if if people reach a point where um, they they rise up and reject this uh, at at the ballot. Um, you know, speaking of Los Angeles, uh, your your most recent piece, I'd like to just talk about that briefly. It's called Off the Rails in L.A., and we posted it um, several days ago. It's about this, this spate of package theft that's going on on the Union Pacific trains traveling through Los Angeles. A Union Pacific official, uh, you know, appealed to the district attorney, Gascon, asking him to uh, reconsider a December 2020 non-prosecution directive. The official noted that theft has gotten so bad in the L.A. area on the trains that UPS and FedEx were considering diverting rail business away from the city entirely. So what the heck is going on there? Well, you saw the lack of urgency. Um, he didn't even respond uh, somebody in his staff responded, which I found outrageous, and basically said, oh, well, we'll get around to it when we have time. Um, I don't know what they're so busy with because they're not prosecuting any crimes. Uh, the, the sheriff's department and the police department took the homicide of the police officer to the uh, U.S. attorney because they didn't feel it would be handled sufficiently by the DA's office. So if they felt he was lackadaisical in his response uh, to the off-duty shooting of a police officer, I mean, what chance does the Union Pacific have? Maybe they have more economic muscle. Uh, and like as some of the companies in New York are starting maybe to push back, back on Bragg. Um, but if you're if you're lackadaisical about dealing with a homicide of a police officer or of anybody, uh, how interested is he going to be in in theft of property? Uh, I don't know what's going to get these these guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, to wake up because really the people who are being hurt are, are the people who live in these communities. You know, Bragg says he's going to keep people out of jail. Uh, well, that's nice, but the people who he's keeping out of jail are victimizing the people in their neighborhoods primarily. They're not victimizing people on the Upper East Side or people who take limousines uh, to their office. They're victimizing the people who need to get around in New York or in L.A. And, you know, some woman, a nurse about to retire was just killed at a bus stop in L.A. Um, the mayor is trying now to do something uh, in the tender, you know, in California, San Francisco, L.A. Uh, anybody, even those who were 
in favor of less enforcement, mayors who are now looking for greater levels of enforcement are not getting any encouragement. They're getting pushback. Yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable situation, and it shows how uh, how quickly things can unravel with the wrong uh, policies in place and the wrong people in office. So uh, we've just got to hope again that uh, that the problem, you know, the problem is is so grave that uh, folks are going to uh, take political action. Dorothy, thanks very much for coming on again. Uh, our guest today was Dorothy Moses Schultz. Uh, her work is uh, found on the City Journal website. You can check that out. Uh, we'll link to our author page in the description. You can also find City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal, and on Instagram, at City Journal underscore MI. And if you like what you've heard on today's podcast, please give us a, a nice ratings on iTunes. So, Dorothy, thanks. Always, always great to talk with you. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.